You're listening to the Geeks Interrupted podcast. You can listen to us live every Monday night from 8 p.m. Eastern Time on 94.1 FM in Melbourne or via 3wbc.org.au. Alternatively, if you've got a smart device, you can download the TuneIn app and search for 3WBC. 94.1 FM, 3WBC. Good evening. It's Monday the 25th of June 2018 and welcome to episode number 249 of Geeks Interrupted, a weekly talk show about geek news, tech, gadgets, pop culture, TV and film and other random stuff. Coming up tonight's show, health engine sharing data to third parties, Instagram announces IGTV, Australian court finds Apple $9 million and Coco the Gorilla dies age 46. Remember, you can join the conversation now via the chat room at chat.geeksinterrupted.fm, on Twitter at Geeks on Air, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeksinterrupted. We'll get to all that and much more right here on Geeks Interrupted, broadcasting and streaming live from the studios of 94.1 FM, 3WBC. We'll be back right after this. Listening live? Join us in the chat room chat.geeksinterrupted.fm G'day, you are listening to Geeks Interrupted on 94.1 FM Free WBC. A big thank you to the guys at uh, what will be the sport this week? That used to be VFL Rewind. Uh, Fum Wrestling Rewind. Yes, the best thumbs uh, of, of all time that they talk about. Like the right thumb and the left Fum and uh, all the fums and can think of. Uh, and whether a player is ambid- ambidextrous or not. Mm. Or whether that, you know, now we're in 2018, whether female fums can get involved in in the matches of, of fum wrestling with the uh, male fums. It's, it's a very controversial, very uh, interesting discussion that I had within that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I wonder what the salary cap would be for the thumb league. <laughs> Did I have grades? Would it be like, you know, how you have different, you know, ring finger sizes and stuff? Like, would they have like different categories or grades for that? You know, I'm going to change the topic slightly, but yeah. we're talking about obscure sports, which I know that this is not an obscure sport anymore, but. I'm in a betting group with <clears throat> some guys I went to school with on uh, AFL games, and uh, I have taken over the role of placing the bets, the, the handler of the of the account. Yep. And I went onto the the betting app, and we we do say gamble responsibly. But um, the thing that popped up as the next game off the rank was an esports game. Ooh. So it came up, you know, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, or whatever. Yeah. And then Evil Geniuses versus whatever. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. How would you even frame a market on esports? We should. I am tempted, and listeners, please let us know. I am tempted to do a uh, a mass debate about esports because, as much as I game a fair bit, especially compared to the guys here, 
don't, I don't care about it. <laughs> Neither do I. I. I get, I get the appeal of it, and I think just the fact that it's called esports kind of does it hinder it a bit. But um, I think because there's so much money in in gaming I'm in not, particular, I'm not dismissing that because yes, it's definitely a big influence. But uh, I think at least maybe a while, considering we consider the minute we have an esports uh, at the Olympics, that's when we know things are going weird. Yes, that's when I'm probably dead. By ten. It anyway, does mean that there is a possibility that I could go to the Olympics. Wow. Uh, anyway, we probably talk more about fun wrestling than the actual show ever did. But yeah, shout out to guys to VFL Rewind who will be back next Monday from 7 p.m. if you do miss out all your VFL and fun wrestling news and also available as a podcast. Search for VFL Rewind in your favorite podcast. App. Absolutely. Alas, uh, you are stuck with us for the next two hours to talk about tech and pop culture news. My name is Daniel Olivares, and joining me are my regular co-hosts, Phil Edwards and Andy Bloom. How are we doing, gentlemen? I'm very good. How are you? Good. How are you, Andy? I'm very good. How are you? Good. How are you, Phil? Very good. How are you? I am fine and stopping it there. Okay. Because we got a fair chunk I'm of very stuff. good. Thank you. Shut up! Oh, sorry. We've got a fair, fair chunk of stuff. That get we need to go. No, no yes, I know, I know. We're getting all with it. We're getting all with it. Yeah. Now, we're going to go to some feedback and follow up news. And, uh, guys, we caused a little bit of drama with some conversations last week. We did. We did. Uh, no, it wasn't that bad, but we did have a listener by the name of KCS who sent us an email. And told us this. Uh, let me start the email with a thank you for the weekly show, which is highly informative and entertaining. However, I'd like to bring your attention to the issue of lack of female representation on the show. The show tonight, well, this was last week on the 18th of June, highlights exactly the issue you illustrated with Google and the lack of representation of the general community working for them, namely female and non-white males, although Asian males seem to occupy a significant proportion in the industry. You mentioned on the program that if they can do the job, then sex or race should not come into it. Even uh, some surmised about why Google does not hire more females. But we've had an actual representative from the group, from that group, telling how it is that you are basically mansplaining it or worst white man washing it. I'm not suggesting that you are sexist or racist, but unconscious bias against the other occur on a regular basis. Without you trying to actively change the show and be more representative, I do not see how Google can be any different. I look forward to your reply. I uh, sent a, an email to KCS uh, uh, last week as a response to that. Yes. And um, I won't read the whole thing, but effectively, we are completely aware of the irony. Yes. Um, it is something that we, and, and I'm saying this as my role as a presenter on the show, but also as the president of the radio station, um, that we are, uh, aware of that irony and representation um, across all genders and groups in community radio is always something that's difficult um, because people have uh, some people who just don't necessarily just want to get on radio. Mm. There's a thing about it. Um, I did uh, mention that we did have for those who are long-time listeners, um, uh, Kerry was on the show for a, a period of time before she had to move into state. And we do have um, female contributors from time to time, such as Jessica Reesby, um, Emily, Ed Rebecca Edwards. Edwards, Emily Vandenagel, um, uh, and a few others over, over the journey. So we are also 
always welcoming, you know, people who, who want to contribute and who, you know, if they're nerd minded, um, and maybe interested in community radio, come, come and have a chat to us. Um, because, uh, that, that's sort of what we're all about and, and we're happy about it. The thing is we do this for free. So just finding someone for the sake of it, not, and not saying that the sake of it, but for someone who we're asking them to give up every Monday night, um, it's not always an easy ask. And I have, um, approached, uh, some, uh, a, a person who I thought would be a really good fit for our show and they weren't interested, but we are always open to suggestions. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, cause we have our little SMS group chat, uh, happening throughout the week. Yes. Uh, I think you both saw my reaction, uh, when this email came through, it's probably words that we can't repeat, uh, on air. Uh, I think Phil has covered most of the points here. Mm. One thing that really upset me, or there's a few things that did upset me about the email, and I have been thinking all week um, about how to adequately adequately respond without sounding like a a douchebag or a bigger douchebag than I already am. Trying to keep it PG. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for the email. Um, we, we, we do appreciate all forms of feedback, be it positive, negative, in-between, suggestions, anything like that. Put your name to it. This is a semi-anonymous mm. email. Um, it doesn't detract from the point you were making, but it might hold a little bit more weight if your name was attached to it. Mm. And we'd keep it confidential if you didn't want it going to air, but put your name to it. Secondly, just because we are white men does not mean that we cannot discuss the issue. In this email, it basically said that we're, we're because we are three white guys uh, discussing the issue, we did not have any other representation or anyone from any other minority group or, or female or anything like that involved, uh, that we are basically trying to mansplain it to our listeners. And that, that is something that I really don't agree with. Uh, I think that we had a really, really good conversation last week uh, on air surrounding this topic, and it's probably one of the most sensible conversations that we've had in a really, really long time on this program. And I might might butt in too, um, even though I would argue that conversation we had all led to ultimately, yeah, we want equality in the workforce. We all had as our own little different opinions about that too, mm. more or less. Like we had our different sort of attitudes and that's because of our differences in, in background. And yes, we, you know... We're men and all that, and we've got those sort of similarities. We do have some different experience. You know, we've got different age brackets between us. We have different um, work experiences with different organisations, and we've seen the changes with them and whether they be more male-focused or not. Anyway, I guess my point is is that, you know, w w let's say if we did have a female person, what if she disagreed completely with us? We could have had a female person that was a representative and go, you know what? And just, I don't want to say anything more up, but like, let's say, oh, you know, women should just stay at home. And that coming from a female voice, what would have KCS or someone else would have said about that? And, no, just the fact that we have someone from that particular group may not necessarily be agreeing with the, your probably point of view, thinking that it should be one side or the other. And look, I, I agree. I think the, the, the issue also is, is that with us trying to, potentially actually have a sensible conversation about it. 
we will come across as mansplaining. <laughs> I think that's just unfortunately the way it is. Yeah. Um, but we couldn't win if we had, because uh, a lot of our conversations do tend to descend into stupidity yeah. at, at some point. Yeah. If that conversation had gone in that direction, we'd, would we be getting an email uh, saying you took a serious issue and turned it into a and, joke? It's something we, uh, we can't, we can't and, I, and I'll definitely credit KCS with, thank you for not overblowing this to what it is. Yeah. I mean, he, he or she obviously saw that we weren't being sexist or racist in any means. And I think we're in a sort of societal era now that with social media outrage, all the rage, mm. like one wrong word has been taken to literally mean you're Hitler or you're the worst person in the world or mm. something like that. It's sort of, this is a conversation talk show. We have our opinions and it's a tech show. We, we, we can, we had five, 10 minutes to probably talk about a, a, a review on Google's diversity and we had our opinions about it and just moved on. We didn't, we didn't treat it as a throwaway thing, but we also have limited time. To sort of yeah. The, the other side of it also is, is that had we have had decided to not talk about the topic because there were no, um, uh, diversity representation in the room, mm. then are we, Censoring a topic. Exactly. But that said, you know, like we're not, we're not having a go at KCS. So I think, um, that the email was very well written. Um, made valid know. points, I think. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, as I said, I wrote a, a more lengthy response, um, than what we'll talk about on air. Um, but the, the themes that were in that were what I've, I've already mentioned. But, um, you know, I think that the short answer is, we are aware of the irony of that. Julie noted. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's what we have. What we'll do about it, we, like we said, we are uh, open to uh, uh, any guests, especially female guests. We'll, we'll put a little bias on that. May, that may piss Andy off, but we'll put bias. I don't even, uh, more the funny thing guests. was, though, I assumed based on the tone of the email that KCS was a female. Oh. And I invited them to be on the show if they fit the diversity demographic, and they said, no, I don't. Ah, <laughs> there so there you go. Anyway, let's move up with some follow-up news because sure. we are professional tech journos and we just know so much about what's going to be happening with tech. And we've talked about this stuff and it just the news keeps going about it, if that all made sense. Anyway, um, we did have some help from uh, our mate Jay Byron who sent us a few links in our Facebook page. Uh, man who implanted Opal travel card chip has uh, had his conviction overturned. A Sydney biohacker who fell foul of the law when he implanted a New South Wales travel card chip into his arm said, says cyborg justice has been served after a court overturned his conviction. Uh, he was fined $220 and ordered to pay $1,000 in legal costs at Newtown local court in March. Uh, a conviction for attempting to travel without a ticket was recorded at the time. Um, uh, but uh, the guy, Meow Ludo, Disco Gamma Meow Meow, um, appealed to argue no conviction should be recorded and the fine should be squashed. Uh, the judge ruled in favour of him um, by getting rid of that conviction, but he still had to pay the thousand bucks uh, prosecution costs. So based on that, he, he's still guilty of an offence, just that the conviction has been removed mm. from his record, so he's yes. still paying the fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But good on him. There you go. Uh, more follow-up news we talked about with the Optus and World Cup fiasco. 
gets even worse. Uh, Optus hands over remaining group matches to SBS after streaming debacle. All World Cup 2018 matches for the remainder of the group stages will be broadcast on SBS, as well as streaming service Optus, which the latter service also, was also made uh, free to all Australians until August the 31st. Customers who have signed up to Optus and paid 15 bucks for the service to cover the period of the World Cup will also be refunded after technical issues plagued the telco's coverage of the world's largest sporting event in the opening week. There you go. Mm. I just... Really? What were they... I, I just... Just just test your network. <laughs> just test, test, test the capability. They, like, they haven't was, actually... Because they're saying that they did all this testing and what have you, and it obviously wasn't up to scratch. So what did they... I don't know what they did. Like, what they did wrong. And the thing is, is that streaming video, as in Netflix type video is very different to live. Mm. So, you know, whether they based on capacity of that sort of thing and then they're expecting it to be different for the, the world cup. I don't know, but, and they haven't really offered an explanation yet. I think they kind of have, um, or information was leaked. I did read something during the week, uh, about this. I will try and find it. Uh, cause we, we surmised, uh, to use that word again, that it may have been due to uh, the capacity of their CDN provider or the CDN yeah. they set up. Supposedly, that is not the case. There was nothing wrong with the CDN as such. It was supposedly an issue with the transcoding capabilities. So, so that's, where, that's where it died. The other one that I was uh, reading about as well, actually, you're right on on that, is that if you're using the Optus app, the Optus Sport app, um, you were having the issues if you were using a fetch TV device that as a fetch TV channel, because the Optus Sport is available on that, you had no problems. So if it was being pushed through the fetch service, you had no issues. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop <laughs> trying to make fetch a thing. But what, I think what, fetch is actually a good platform. They just don't have the right channels on there. But anyway. Uh, I also read during the this came from Twitter, that the Optus held a press conference to announce, you know, to, to apologize to everybody and announce that it was being handed over to SBS and so forth. And the press conference ran something like 45 minutes late. So, of course, all the Twitter jokes started and said that the press conference is going to be outsourced to SBS now mm-hmm. because they can't even get that happening properly. So, I, mean, I think Channel uh, 7 had a dig or something like that. It wasn't a joke, actually, really. Yeah. And Channel 7 had a dig of going, you know, the football's... You know, not streaming online, it's live think, on your TV. I think it was like on the front bar. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, Mick Malloy made a joke about that. Anyway. But I believe Optus had an outage today as well, so it's really not uh, going well for them at all. Not, I reckon Telstra and Optus are in – I don't know what's going on with the network, and we'll probably talk about Telstra later on, but mm. um, I think – like I've been having a lot of issues on the Telstra mobile network of phone calls being weird and things like that. Uh-huh. So I reckon that the networks are not up to scratch at the moment. Maybe you have to outsource your telco to SBS? Yes. Yes. In the meantime, um, consider selling your ABC. Some people think about it too. So, you know, those damn... That's a stupid move. (laughs) Anyway, let's not get too political. Uh, But we kind of will because we'll mention this one other sort of um, uh, 
follow-up. Uh, Roseanne spinoff has been confirmed. So a Roseanne spinoff, The Connors, has been ordered by the US ABC network to star original cast members, John Goodman, uh, Laurie Metcalf, Sarah Gilbert, uh, Lacey Galanzo, and Michael Fishman. It will send around the family of Darlene and Clan. Roseanne Barr will not appear, nor have any financial nor creative involvement in the spinoff following her widely, widely criticised Twitter remarks. There you go. Hmm. Mm. So, yeah, let's see how good that TV show is. Anyway, uh, uh, please send us some uh, feedback, comments, reviews, whatever you like, uh, something that's actually relevant to the show, at geeksinterrupted.fm. There's a contact page there that, guess what, you can get in contact with us uh, via email, voicemail, whatever. Uh, but you can also join us on our multiple social media networks. Uh, Andy, what's our Facebook address? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash geeksinterrupted. And, Phil, what is our Instagram address. Yeah, at Geeks On Air. And Twitter address. At Geeks On Air. Exactly right. And I'll say you... it with the same inflection. Yeah. Facebook.com forward slash Geeks and Erupted. FM, 3WBC. Why are we falling? <laughs> anyway, um, but you can also join us live in the chat room at chat.geeksinterrupted.fm. But Andy, what's an alternative address if you don't like to write? Chat dot whatever. Yes, you can visit oh no not again dot geeksinterrupted dot fm. Oh no not again. Again. All right. Enough shenanigans. Shenanigans. Uh, Let's get into the news. Not doing anymore. Let's go with some local news with. Health Engine, a medical appointment booking app, Health Engine, sharing clients' personal information with lawyers. Health Minister Greg Hunt has ordered an urgent review of Australia's biggest online doctor appointment booking service, Health Engine. The ABC early reported that the Health Engine app has funneled hundreds of users' private medical information to law firms seeking clients for personal injury claims. Spokesperson for Mr. Hunt said the government has instructed the information consumer and uh, commissioner, sorry, an Australian digital health agency to investigate the issue. The Perth-based startup, which is part owned by Telstra and Seven West Media and boasts 1.5 million monthly and 15 million annual users, uh, have also been touting access to patients' medical conditions and symptoms for targeted advertising campaigns. The ABC has obtained secret documents from plaintiff Lord Giant Slater and Gordon that reveal Health Engine was passing on a daily list of prospective clients to the firm based on their personal medical information as part of a referral partnership pilot last year. Health Engine asked users to include details of their symptoms and medical conditions, including whether they have suffered a workplace injury or have been in a traffic accident as part of the process of booking appointments with GPs, dentists, physiotherapists, optometrists, and other medical practitioners. Guys, have we used the Health Engine service for any of our uh, medical bookings? And how outraged... Are you about this news? I probably have, to be honest. Mm. Um, so, but I haven't received any notifications. I know that um, from my therapist, I used to have an online booking system, so I'm assuming it's probably that service. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm outraged just for the sake of being outraged. Yes. Um, I have used uh, Health Engine. Not intentionally. Um, as you know, recently I've spoken about this. I had to go to the dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did a Google search for dental uh, dental clinics in the area, and I picked the one with the nicest looking website. 
Yeah. Because in, in my mind, nice-looking website. It's the small details. It's if, small they, details. if they can keep up a good website, they probably have good teeth-keeping skills. Exactly. Mm. And this particular clinic uh, had an online booking form. Yeah. I'm like, another tick in the I'm going to use you column, because uh, that means I don't have to actually talk to anybody mm. on the phone. Um, and I thought it was all kind of neat. You know, It gave me a list of all the available times and dates for appointments and you input your details and click and your appointment is confirmed. Yeah. And when I read this article today, I thought, hmm, Health Engine, I don't recognize that name, but the concept sounds familiar. I'm going to go check my dentist's website. Sure enough, powered by Health Engine. Um, I have received some telemarketing calls oh. in the last few months, I would say. Yeah. Um, not ones that have been answered, but mm. you know how you ignore the number you don't recognize, then Google it afterwards to see if it was something important. Yeah. And a lot of them have come up as um, private health insurance, mm. telemarketing or telemarketing scam or whatever. So it makes me think, have my details from the dentist or health engine, not, not saying the dentist has done it, mm. been passed on? I would say I've, I've used a service too. Um uh, for I think I probably only used it once, and I think it was uh, signing up with with when you sign up with being an Uber driver, you need to do a medical. And I think I just had to use that to book a medical with a nearby doctor. Mm-hmm. I think that was just to recommend service. So that's probably the one and only time I've used it. I have received marketing emails. So I have seen like these emails for health insurance and stuff, and it's like we got your details from health engine and whatnot. Um. What I think about this whole debacle, it is pretty crap. And what the issue, the, what makes it crap is that Health Engine have on their website and on the social media have said, look, we have done everything by the books, by law. And they said, we only share the data of people that explicitly expressed their, you know, consent, the, consent yeah. to have the data. Now, as we all know, a lot of these services that say, hey, we gave you the option tend to be those things that in order to use a service, you're going to have to give up the data regardless as well. And at least to some credit with those sites, you've got an opt-in option. Whereas with Health Engine, I don't think there is an opt-out option if you're going to be signing up with the service. So to have screenshots and there have been discussions on Twitter showing that if you need to book an appointment, there is no sort of, hey, we're going to use your data for X, Y, Z, and there's no option for that. And in a broader sense too, you know, come on, I don't think many people have time to go through terms and conditions to see the specific details there, what they're going to do with your data, let mm-hmm. alone say, hey, we'll do this stuff. Speaking of which, I think, and hear me out with this, I think the whole sharing no, of data. I'm not going to hear you out. No, hear me out. Um, I can understand, and not, not 100% for it, but I can understand if they got your details and they do marketing for health products and stuff. That seems like the norm. It's something that, okay, that's, that's just the way it is. If I'm going to book appointments at a dentist, I should expect emails about Listerine or, <laughs> or Colgate or something. But the fact of this arrangement with a law firm in order to try and sort of, hey, check out these people in particular, there might be, you know, dodgy work cover sort of claims. I don't well, know. No, well, the thing is, is that with the My Health Engine, if I'm correct, and, and I'm happy to be corrected otherwise, it's a booking system. It's not necessarily a medical records service. So the, the, I think that when we see privacy data breach and the word health in the same sentence, we all freak out a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
it is a it is a service to actually you know get a appointment a manage appointments at at you know dentists you know doctors and things like that so yes it is a privacy breach there's enough information for a personal identifier but it's not like your health records are attached to that i mean if your health records were attached to that then we'd be some serious nonsense that's true but let, let's keep in mind Phil, that People don't read the terms and conditions. I don't know, of course. At all. People just just tick that box and said, I agree, click the submit button, and, and off they go. Now, I remember when I booked my dentist appointment um, on that lovely-looking website, mm. um, it asked for my name, uh, email address, a phone number, and it asked for a very brief description of why I was coming to the clinic. And at the time, I was booking because I had a toothache, an yeah. ongoing toothache. Um, so I typed in, I have a toothache in the upper tooth. Um, I think I may need it looked at. Um, I also have some other issues. Um, nothing that I said there was, well, I'd, I'd say it was confidential or anything or embarrassing. And, and how, how much more personal was it like name, phone number and it's not date? So I, I had no issue with the data yeah. I put in. However, what if, arguments sake, I'm being completely serious here. Mm. What if it was something a little bit more sensitive? If I was booking an appointment through a doctor and I say, look, I have um, uh, a rash on my um, bits, je- bits, on my bits. Oh, you want some particular blood test and something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I've had sexual contact with someone mm. and I, um, I'm having um, concerns mm. about mm. Um, diseases and so forth. Um, for that to go directly to the clinic... You could say, fair enough, even though you might just leave it, I just have some concerns about sexual mm, health mm. and wait till you're in the, cl- the room with the doctor to talk about it. But has that information then been passed to a third party? Mm. You can go, oh, look, John Smith um, has got the clap from yeah, yeah, yeah. someone or thinks he's got the clap. You, you see what I'm saying? Of course. Uh, you know, it's concerning. And that- even maybe not even those particular details. If let's say, uh, and I don't know about this, this is uh, an example too, sort of if you're going to be booking an appointment with a sexual health clinic, you know, you put two and two together, so why would you make that appointment? You know? Yeah, so. exactly. Um, yeah, look, we're not happy with that. It's don't mean to water it down, but I don't think it's – it is an issue, and it's. I think it's just more – I think the issue is more how our health engineer has acted about all this, saying, hey, you know, you guys agreed to it. It's not our – but we, we, if you go to the website, whole page saying we totally respect your privacy, which to their credit, they're doing a lot more than what PageUp <laughs> doing with their, their sort of issues. And I think that's a bigger sort of personal breach. Um, but yeah, shame on your health engine. You should have done a lot better. Absolutely. Geeks interrupted. Those other Aussie tech heads from Melbourne. Right, hang on, let me put the levels up for myself. That's right, we are the Aussie Tech Heads from Melbourne. But we don't go under that name because it's a bit too long, so we just shortened it down to Geeks Interrupted. Geeks Interrupted, 94.1 FM, 3WBC. Let's go on with some more local Australian tech news with Amazon. Amazon Prime customers in Australia will be hit with two-day delivery times. Australian consumers signing up for Amazon Prime will have to wait two days. Hang on, is this meant to be sort of a bad thing, two days? I'll, I'll explain why this is funny in a minute. Keep okay. going. Because uh, I, re- I was reading, I go, hang on, it's hit. All right, it's not doesn't sound that bad. We'll have to wait two days for delivery rather than the same day on next day service offered in most countries. Amazon's premium offering launched in Australia on Tuesday with a monthly subscription of six ninety nine or fifty nine dollars a year, and for four ninety nine 
uh, a month introductory offer. On the US site, an annual membership of US $199 or 160 bucks Aussie a year with free same day and one day delivery to major cities when spending over US 35 bucks. Can Phil, I, why was that can so I funny? I agree with Donald Trump for once. Uh, yeah. Fake news. This yeah, is fake news. Yes. Um, Amazon Prime did release their product in Australia. Uh, if you, in America or other countries, if you happen to be near a Amazon distribution center, you may get same day delivery or, uh, one day delivery. But for the majority of Americans with Amazon Prime, you get two day delivery. So, so it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. You do get a few less things with the Australian Amazon Prime because I think the music thing's not as integrated with it. But you still get the Twitch premium. You get Prime Video included in all of that. And it is almost a third of the price than the American service. So the American service is 119 US dollars a year and the Australian one is 59 bucks. Australian. So yes, Amazon doesn't have the same depth of product that they have um, uh, compared to their um, American website, so you'd be probably going to buy less from there in the initial point. But still, and as much as like okay, same day or next day will be awesome. Um, I purchased recently a mod mic. Yep, uh, and it was from a gaming store in Sydney, and I thought, you know what, I'll pay the extra. 12 bucks because that was the highest range of express post. And I bought the thing on a Friday and I got it on Wednesday. I'll talk to you about Australia post a bit later in the show. Mm. Not happy with them. Um, Oh, and to add to that, it was addressed to my parcel locker, went to my local post office instead because the lockers were full. What you can do just to hijack Quickly, yes. Uh, have you registered with Australia Post? You've got an account with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you do, because um, I had a parcel delivered last week, which could only go to my home address. It had to go to a physical address. Yeah, uh, I got a SMS and an email from Australia Post saying uh, we're due to deliver a parcel tomorrow. Um, if you are not going to be home, tell us and we can redirect it to your PO box mm-hmm. or your parcel locker. And um, I was probably going to be home, but I had to go out and do some shopping and stuff. So, you know, you know how it goes. It's, it's going to come in that five-minute window when you mm, step out and yeah. out of the shops. Uh, so I just said, screw it, send it to my parcel locker, so that way I... Um, you can get it whenever. I'll get it when I need it. And it took an extra day for delivery, so yeah. it came the day after, which is fine. And not like I needed it. Um so you didn't get that option no, at all? No. I When I booked it, uh, it was directly to my parcel locker, and then I get a notification that it's finally mm-hmm. arrived, and it's pick it up at your local post office. So, all right. Okay. We'll come back anyway, to my story in a so minute. So back with we'll Amazon. But my Amazon. point being is that if Amazon goes without promise that it's free delivery and it's two days shipping, that sounds pretty sweet. Um, yeah. Look, I think it's absolutely normal. The only issue with Amazon the, – the only issue I think that sucks with it and this is just me being first world problems, is that I have an Amazon. So if I, I have had an Amazon account for some time and I've had a Prime account for the last three years in the US, I was hoping that if I then logged into my Australian account when Prime became active, I could use that. Mm. And cause then I would, cause I've paid for Prime until the end of 
2018 and then in January it's due to renew and I would have said, no, don't renew, I'll go to the Australian service. But of course, the Australian site, while it recognises my login and my payment details, it doesn't recognise my American Prime account. Mm. So I've now put a cancel on my American Prime. It'll run out until the end of the year and I've also signed up for Amazon Prime Australia. So I will have a double Prime um, double prime sandwich. Double prime. Um, for the next few months, but, uh, you know, um, but you do get, if you're a Twitch user, it's probably worth it straight up. Like, I think you would probably. I would, I would probably, yeah, cause like I pay for not, it's not Twitch Turbo, but I think, I think it is a sort of a, no, it's Prime Video. I'm paying for Prime Video. Yeah, to get that. And you're paying that. And four like, bucks a month for yeah. the first six months, but then it goes up, doesn't it? Yeah. So for me, it's sort of going to be like, I can save money. Get this, pay fifty nine bucks a year, yeah. and that gives me Amazon Prime, Prime Video. It does Prime Video, right? Yeah, yeah, Prime Video and Twitch. So yeah, and I think you, if you've got a Kindle, you can get some Kindle books, which you can download the app for, an, you know, an iPhone or an iPad if yeah. you haven't got a Kindle. So it's it's I think it's I think it's worth it. In the United States, ninety million people have Prime membership. Mm. Interesting. So I signed up for the uh, for the trial. Yep. Uh, I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to continue. Once the trial, I think it's a one month trial. Yep, uh, runs out. Um, I have looked at Prime Video. Uh, not a lot on there took my interest. No, to be honest, no. um, a lot, lot of offerings, but the, not a lot like stood out. Yeah, okay, I want to watch that. There's a lot of docos I've noticed yeah. on there. The, and, the, the and American the, Prime has a lot more stuff on it. Yeah, um, the international version is not that great. Okay, because what I did do a couple of weeks ago is reactivated my Stan membership. Remember we had this yes. conversation a few weeks ago. Um, I reactivated it. I can answer that question that they have fixed the subtitle. Oh, good issue. Uh, so I've started watching Community. Um, I know you'd be happy about that. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm not happy about. You're not happy about it? Yeah. Oh. Just to have a different opinion. He's the abbot of getting interrupted. Mm. Um, so basically, in a way, I can't really justify having Netflix stand and a third player in it. I do know that you get the benefits of Amazon shipping, two-day shipping and all that, but at the, at the know, it's going to be worth if, it. If you're buying a lot of stuff from Amazon, or likely would, and I think it may be some. I can't see me buying a lot, to be honest. Mm, at I mean, the moment, you at can't. At the moment. Well, once, they, once they expand their range and also have like things like fresh food and stuff, uh, food products and what have you, it becomes a bit different. I think Amazon's going through a phase where to ramp up what's available on their store, they're using... Um, they're using Amazon Marketplace, which is third-party sellers, and they've obviously started doing fulfillment by Amazon. They're about to bring their Sydney DC online um, and do that. But the thing is, Prime will go up in price. There is no question about it. In the next couple of years, it will go up to be $100, $110 a year. Wow. This is a way to get people onto it at the moment. The one show that is going to be on Prime later in August, I think it is, is Jack Ryan which has got uh, John Krasinski in it, and the trailers look sensational. So anyway, um, yes. Well, you can... I I think that it's absolutely worthwhile. Well, you can can stream at Amazon... Amazon Prime Video on on your telco, and one of those telcos can be Telstra. Oh, wait, what's this? Mmm. Crappy Segway. Telstra to split, cut $1 billion and 8,000 jobs. 
Telstra would split out its infrastructure assets on a new wholly owned business for the potential to merge the new division to bring uh, or bring in strategic investors. The plan is one aspect of a range of sweeping changes labelled Telstra uh, 2022, which Chief Executive Andy Penn will present later on in the week, including the sale of $2 billion of assets, 8,000 net jobs cut, including one in four middle management roles. Telstra is cutting a total of 9,500 jobs, but is creating 1,500 new roles. The plan will also see a $1 billion increase to its cost-cutting target, taking up to $2.5 billion annual savings and an overhaul of Telstra's product offerings. Phil, what is going on with Telstra? Um, I think that, in theory, this is a good idea. Mm. Um, what we will get is the separation that we've been wanting for for some time between the wholesale and the retail arms of Telstra. So Infraco will be the, the new offshoot, and that will be a fully standalone business. And the reason why I think that's important is because we all have to remember that the federal government is wanting to, and both sides of federal government want to do this eventually, the federal government wants to sell off NBN Co. Mm. And if InfraCo is a wholesale company that has no retail arm, they would be sitting in the box position to be the primary shareholder, if not the whole purchaser of NBN Co. Interesting. So we could go back to where we started. So I think that's important, number one. I think Telstra simplifying their product lines is not a, a bad thing at all. So that's a smart move. And the only thing that I see as a, as a risk point for them is that chances are they will probably offer voluntary redundancies first, which is what businesses tend to do before they start doing mandatory redundancies. And people who have been there a long time tend to be the ones who get the most benefit out of taking a voluntary redundancy. Now, some people, you could go, they've been there too long, they should go. But then there are a lot of people who take a lot of knowledge out of a business with them, yeah. and that is a risk point. Yeah. I've been with several businesses which has had, which have had redundancies, and, yeah, it is a case of, like, yeah, you can argue yeah, they're older people, but, yeah, you lose a lot of knowledge and information and historical context from those people that leave too. So. Now, I'm going to read you something very quickly um, from the Whirlpool forums about what, that highlights the ineptitude of elements of Telstra. This was someone who was went live on NBN and they placed an order on Friday the 15th of June. A call from Telstra on Monday the 18th of June at about 4 o'clock saying NBN is not available at his address. And he goes, it is. He spoke to the Telstra guy three times imploring him to check the Telstra public website, which clearly stated that NBN was available. He gave up trying to get him to sort it out on the third phone call at about 8 o'clock because he seemed to have no understanding of fiber to the curb by saying to the customer, there is no hardware that we need to send you. Um, he then decided to stuff this and placed an order through Aussie Broadband at about 8.30 Monday, the 18th of June, attempted then to cancel the NBN order through Telstra, which resulted in his ADSL and landline services being disconnected. Several calls on Tuesday, the 19th of June, indicate that the services will be reconnected but will take 24 to 48 hours. However, it only took 10 minutes to disconnect. Then a chat with them on Wednesday, the 20th of June, told them that they can't reconnect his ADSL as NBN is available at his location. <laughs> uh, hardware arrives from Aussie Broadband on Friday, the 22nd of June, connected and running within 10 minutes. Happy to be done with ADSL. Lost a Telstra customer of 25 years. Now, that is a cluster munch in its 
best form and shows that Telstra really need to focus on customer experience. Definitely. And just clean up their act, make life simpler. And I think that, look, the, the separation will do that. Um, they're, they're probably going to have a bit of pain doing it, but. They, well, 8,000 people are going to lose their jobs and that's a Yeah, huge and that's number. not good. No. Like, I feel sorry for them, but, you know, they, they've got to get a company ready for, for re-listing on the stock market, even though it is listed, it's a new version of that business. But the question is, uh, and this may have been mentioned in the article, I don't know, where are those 8,000 jobs going to come from? Is it going to be frontline customer service staff? Is it going to be on-the-ground technicians? Is it going to be mm. middle senior management? They've said, they've said middle management. One in four will be middle management, but then where are the other three out of those four coming from? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've had dealings with Telstra in the last uh, week, yeah. which we'll probably talk about after the song break. Um, in all four of those cases, it was with overseas staff. Yeah. And how can I say this nicely? Absolutely incompetent. Mm. And then I just hope that they're going to retain Australian frontline customer service staff. Doubtful. Because if it all goes overseas... Yeah, and and I think that they're not not training up their overseas staff appropriately. So forgetting mm. about the, there's obviously a cultural barrier and and potentially an element of language barrier, but the staff don't seem to know the product well enough. That I, is I, my issue. I know there there is a joke that obviously they're reading from scripts and and so forth. No, 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 they are reading from but scripts. They, they are. It's so robotic. And these, how can I put it nicely? They're just not able to handle any deviation from what they've been told in their in their thirty minutes of training. So, so here I'll give you an example. I many years ago I used to work for a company that Telstra outsourced to for technical support for Big Pond, um, and I provided technical support. So um, there was a heap of nerds that got hired. Um, and you know, we'd sit there, it was dial up days and we'd do modem strings and all this sort of stuff. Then as we were there, they, what they did was they created tier one and tier two staff. So they had tier one staff that were paid less and tier two staff that obviously were paid more. Tier two staff had everything scripted and there was a set question point, this to this to this that they had to answer, and if it got to a point and they couldn't answer it, then they would go to a tier two. Oh, sorry. Yeah, tier one. Um, from a tier one to a tier two. And then they would, then we would sit down and try and do some, some further diagnosis. All of those staff, all of them were moved overseas. Mm. So anyone that I worked with were made, that was still there and most of them had left, but were made redundant. But they script everything. And I know that the organization I work for now, they script everything because even if it's not good, it's consistent. So even if the advice is bad, it's consistently bad, and that's actually what they want. They want consistently bad – sorry, consistent advice, even if it's not great. Mm. There you go. The truth comes out here at mm. Geeks Interrupted. We tell you what really happens behind the scenes, and if not, we make it up. Anyway, uh, that is all for local news. We'll go briefly into some tech news in general. Okay. <laughs> In tech news this week, Instagram announces IGTV, or IGTV, 
an entertainment hub with an hour-long videos and content from social stars. After weeks of persistent rumors, Instagram has officially announced a long-form video platform. The entertainment hub titled IGTV will, will allow its users to upload videos up to one hour long and will feature content from some of the social media industry's top stars. IGTV will be available both on the main Instagram app, which according to the blog post from the company, it now reaches more than a billion accounts, and on an app of its own. As with uh, Snapchat's Discover Hub, IGTV video will be vertical and will be separated across multiple channels, which can be browsed individually or happened upon via a smattering of content discovery tools. Guys, have you checked out IGTV, the part of the attach-on for your Instagram app, or even downloaded the app itself? And what do you think? Well, I, I'm an avid Instagram user, and yes, I have looked at uh, IGTV. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of feels like it's just Instagram stories that are being pushed through. However, I noticed on the Steve, the Colbert Late Show account that they had a full monologue on there. Yeah. And the interesting thing was that they'd obviously formatted it for the platform because they'd done the portrait mode for the monologue because Stephen was taking up the center of the screen. Yeah. But when they clicked to clips from a, from a TV show or a news broadcast, it letterboxed at the bottom, so they didn't stretch that out. So they'd obviously done some set formatting for that particular platform. You may, you guys may not have used it a lot, but it reminded me a bit of Vine. It was kind of having that sort of vertical. I mean, Vine was square, but I think it was just having like, oh, here's another video-only platform that I'd streamed, that I'd view other than YouTube. And I think Instagram may be onto something here. They already got the audience and I think that's going to be its biggest advantage. It's got its audience of people just using the service. I'm sure Snapchat's quite popular, but I've gone off it and I feel that a lot of the news cycle is going, Snapchat is getting less and less popular. And a lot of services like Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter and YouTube, sorry, are all going into vertical or trying to get into vertical. Like t- Twitter had but Periscope. I hate, I hate vertical. I get it. I get it too, but... I would say uh, there are some people I follow that actually do. Um, there are some people that if you can do vertical video really well, it actually looks good on the phone. Oh yeah, no, no, I agree with that. But there are some I've seen a lot of people cheating it by putting in YouTube videos and cutting it <laughs> vertically, and you can tell that they're pointing at something that you can't see. And look, because- look, a monologue from like a Stephen Colbert actually can work quite well vertical because of the way that. The, the, like there is a lot of blank space in, in something like that. But, you know, just format it for one screen. Nah. Nah. Th- th- that's lost with this new generation. I wonder if they – see, have they got an Instagram TV app for outside of their Instagram app? Yeah. So is it for Apple TV though? No. So because- there is there is an IGTV app you can get by okay. itself. Um, and it's an interesting sort of setup because you have to, like, it starts off with static and then it goes into your sort of, um, like a feed of some stuff, a that's feed available. of stuff as well. So, and that I haven't set one up for myself or for Geeks Interrupted, but you can do and set up a channel. And the way it works is that I think for us regular folk, you only get about 10 minutes. And I think if you're a popular, Content creator, you get up to an hour, and it can be done. It has to be done on a computer. 
That's the interesting right. thing too. So you can't upload a ten minute or an hour long video. Bit fa- a bit hazy about that sort of. Um, but I think, and it does push live story stuff into there too. I think you can choose to do that. Sort of. I think it does. Yeah. yeah well, I've seen some stuff that has. But um, look, look, it's interesting. Quite, and obviously, it's designed for mobile devices. The when I was interested, I was at home when that Russell Crowe "The Art of Divorce" auction was on. Yeah, and they were broadcasting that on Facebook Live. So I actually fired up the Facebook Live app on the Apple TV to watch some of it. Yeah, it's actually not a bad little. App. It actually isn't a bad thing. And there's actually quite a lot of live content in mm. there as well. Mm. So it, I wonder if they'll they're going to keep IGTV specifically as a mobile, and the Facebook Live will be that a would be crap. Multi platform like IGTV on a TV will be crap. Just because I definitely yeah. agree with you with the vertical bit, but I think for IGTV, if it's kept kept. But, but do phone? you really want to watch an hour-long thing on your phone? Because I just looked at no. it then, and there was like an Instagram, a, a Netflix video that goes for an hour. Wow. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll um, see. Yeah. Um, one hour of Cole Sprouse eating a burger. There you go. Sign me up. This and- whole thing sounds stupid. <gasps> I'm sorry to say. Yeah. It's just going to be taken over by celebrities advertising uh, whatever they can, and women in skimpy bikinis, which is what Phil's looking at right now. Yeah, and I'll add to that, this was a screenshot I took from oh, the there you go. There's... Sports Illustrated swimsuit. Ooh, this is relevant it's to my It's a screenshot, interests. though, so it's... Um, There's um, Colbert's monologue, monologue formatted mm. for IGTV. Yep. So, like, he does move a little bit, but still, it's not too bad. Mm. So, Andy's against it. Phil and I are meh. About it, but what do you, dear listener, listening to this but not watching it on? It's well, just it's just a screenshot. It's, oh, I'll try and find the. See, uh, my suggestion tip of the week: go to uh, si underscore swimsuit on Instagram IGTV and do yourself a favor. If you want to convince me, more boobs, more boobs. Now we're going to get ten emails. There's, there's our diversity <laughs> argument thrown out the window. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Andy. Hello, I'm Peter Cassidy, host of the Saturday Afternoon Program, and if you enjoy the wide variety of programs presented on 94.13 WBC, we'd like you to become a member. Members can support the running of the station by participating in the management committee and working groups, training as presenters and producers, and becoming involved in fundraisers and special events. Full membership is $25 a year with concessions available for pensioners, students, families and businesses. To find out how to get more out of your community radio station, drop into the Box Hill Town Hall Hub or phone during business hours on 9285 4846. 9285 4846. Or visit our website on www.3wbc.org.au and select Membership. A new and satisfying interest will be yours when you join the 94.13 WBC team. We are your community radio station and voice of the inner east. Oh no, not again. You're listening to Geeks Interrupted on 94.1 FM, free WBC. We're back for the second hour of Talking Tech. 
with the Three Stooges. Three Stooges noises. Yes. But before we do, let's talk about what's been going on with us over the past week. Andy, what's been news with you? Uh, what's been news with me? Uh, I have uh, started making my own pizzas. Oh, and when nice. I say making my own pizzas, I'm like actually making the dough yeah. uh, from scratch and so forth. It is a bit of an art form, you, ne- you know, having to experiment with the yeast and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Uh, and working out what tastes good and, and so forth. They're so filling. Like you make one mm. pizza, you get through maybe one piece. And it's like, I think I'll put this in the no, fridge. It's like all, all pasta. Yeah, I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you a tip. This is my favourite thing to do with homemade pizzas. Do mm. you have a meat grinder by any chance? No, I do not. So I have a meat grinder at home. What you do is you actually get your ham and chuck it into the meat grinder. Like get a chunk of ham, put it through the meat grinder, and it makes it into this really cool crumble. And you put that on your pizza, and it is damn bloody delicious. Mm. I'll uh, I'll give that a shot. I have to get a meat a meat grinder. Yeah, keep an eye sure. on an Aldi special if they come up with one. For sure. Uh, but in other news, um, I made some changes to my mobile deal. What during the week? What's this? What's happened? Did you get a new Telstra staff plan? No, your, your I, staff I is not associated with Telstra. Did your staff was one of the, was your staff one of the people that got made redundant? Yes, one of the eight thousand. No, no, no. Uh, so what what happened um, recently? I've noticed that my I've been using a lot more data. Yep. Uh, over time, it's just the way I'm using the phone, and I was on the Telstra staff plan. Thank you. Um, which he doesn't want to actually mention that anymore. Yeah. Um, so w- when I signed up for that deal, it was actually it, it suited my needs perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit restrictive in terms of data, but the way I was using it was like no problem. In recent times, though, it's been like, yeah, I'm, I'm going over way too much and paying additional um, charges. So the, the cost basis was blowing out. Exactly. So uh, I happened to come across a deal Telstra were offering. And keep in mind that Telstra are not a sponsor of 3WBC or Geeks Interrupted or anyone else here. But they can be if they want to. They can be if they want to. Uh, given that you're sacking 8,000 people, I'm sure you've got a bit of extra money to <laughs> spend on sponsorship. Um. So they had an online-only deal called the, I think it's called the MX deal. Yep. Uh, it is 49 bucks a month. You get 10 gig of data plus an additional bonus, five. Um, unlimited SMS and calls in Australia. And the only uh, caveat is that you are not allowed to call them. Right. Everything has to be managed through live chat or through your Telstra account or app. Yep. So basically, it's a reduced service, customer service deal, but you get better allowances and so forth. Funny thing is, I actually prefer to deal with Telstra via the live chat anyway. Exactly. A uh, bit of bit of ex- excitement uh, came about though. Um, I you can't actually sign up uh, for this deal unless you use live chat. Right. Right. So they're basically really forcing you to use the alternative options. I said I was interested. Can I switch my current deal, or do I have to go for a new deal? And the the, the girl I spoke to said, "Yeah, you can do whatever. We don't care. But we're happy to move you over to it." Here's the deal: you get 15 gig of data, but because you've got two services, we're going to give you an additional five gig wow. at no charge. So you get 20 gig in total. And unfortunately, she misrepresented the whole 
deal. So obviously he didn't understand how it worked. We spoke about this earlier in the program. Um, it's actually a 10 gig deal that you get bonus 5 gig, and she thought that, yeah, whatever. So I got on live chat today and said, hey, I want my extra 5 gig. And they said, no, sir, we can't do it, I'm sorry. Well, I have a chat log here that was emailed to me that says I'm getting 20 gig. T-I-O. Telecommunications industry on the T-I-O. 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 Would you mind holding for a moment, sir? I said, no problem. Came back a minute later. We've increased your allowance to 20 gig. Cool. Yay. So nice there we work. go. Thank you very much, Telstra. Um, but this is going to be much better. But I still have the other... Telstra staff plan. ...on my secondary service, which doesn't really get used. On his second staff. There you go. Mm. Well, congratulations. Andy. Thank you very much. Bill, um, what have you been up to this week? <laughs> well, I've been uh, having lots of conversations with MBN. Mm, still um, going. So, yeah, so last uh, Monday I talked about that I'd fired an email off to MBN. I got a response on Tuesday, which I wasn't particularly happy about because I said you didn't answer my question. I shot another response off saying, uh, I think what you should do is get onto your engineering area and to tell me what the actual issue is because I'm noticing that houses in my street and area are all coming online and mine is not. Why is that the case? And the customer service representative came back and, you know, very professional email, but basically said, we can't contact our engineering area. So I'm like, great. I looked into the TIO, but because I don't have an active MBN service, then you can't go to the TIO. TIO. Um, TIO. So basically what I was left with was looking at being a pain in the backside and going to the um, uh, lodging a query of, um, you know, rollout figures and issues under the Freedom of Information Act. So I was sort of considering doing that. I was going to write some stuff up over the weekend. Um, and uh, we talked about it on text message, Andy, and I saw it on another website that the company Future Broadband, um, they take a very crude data dump from uh, MBN in terms of the service addresses, but they actually publish on their website what your service class is. Mm-hmm. Whereas the others go, yes, it's active. No, it's not. So I was showing um, someone on the thir- on Thursday night saying, you know, here's our service class, it's, you know, service class 30. It's not active yet, but it's planned. Because MBN kept telling me it would be resolved by December. So that was where my issue was. And um, uh, then I was talking to Mark McDowell, friend of the show, uh, at work on Friday morning, and I was saying, oh, you can look at that on here. And I put my address in, and it goes, you're actually service class 33. You are ready to connect. And I went, uh, that's uh, not what I was expecting. And as we were discussing it, my phone went from Aussie Broadband, who I've chosen to go to as a provider, and they've gone, your service is now live. Call us to finalize your um, pre-order. So uh, I did that. Hmm. I got an email from them about half an hour later saying, welcome to Aussie Broadband. Here's your login details for the website. But now later than that, I got another email saying your modem has or your network connection device has been shipped. Here's the tracking number via Express Post. So I plugged it into my Australia Post app that we talked about before and it hit, you know, Sunshine West on Friday night um, from Morwell and I'm like, excellent. So I thought I'm going to work from home on Monday, but if I'm on the phone for work or I have to go out, I'm going to put the safe drop option on because it has gives you an option to do safe drop. And so I chose safe drop um, that they could leave it at my front door. And this morning arrives, I'm sitting there waiting for the doorbell to go. Um, and in case they did safe drop it, I was checking the front door quite regularly. 
and it got to about four o'clock and nothing had arrived and it kept saying on the tracking, still at Sunshine West at the distribution center. So I'm like, this is just, you know, Australia Post does it again. I go back to the front door. I think I was starting to get ready to come to radio tonight at about 4.30 and there's a slip under the door. It's at my post office. So I go to the post office. Admittedly, the slip does say tomorrow morning, but I go to the post office and the guy goes, it's not here. And it says tomorrow morning, you have to come back then. And I'm like, nonsense. And I saw a truck outside. I'm assuming, I don't know if he was delivering or picking up parcels. And I went, I'm going to sit in the car park and rant online for for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And after I did that rant, I refreshed the app and it goes, checked in at my local post office. So, Tim and so I walked back inside and went, mm-hmm. I want my stuff. They gave it to me. I grabbed it. I went home. I plugged it in and it's not working. Mm. I didn't, I did have an it's issue with not, my. Not working. Sorry. Not yeah, working. It's not, not working yet. Yeah. Oh, not working. So um, they say about 15 minutes for it to kick in. Yeah. My phone lines died. So my, my landlines, um, it's showing that it's connected. It's got a, da- um, a power connection through to the distribution right. point at right. the front, yep. but it is not getting a service. Mm. So I spoke to Aussie Broadband. They've said, you need to do a few things. I had to leave to come here. Yeah. So I will go home and try those things tonight. And if it continues to be an issue, then I will lodge an I, default. I had issues with my, my Republic the, the first day I got it and just plugged it in and it just didn't work. And I thought I had to go through all the settings and stuff. Hopefully it is just plugging in and just let it do its thing, that it's yeah. thinking things in the background and it will work. So, so I've, I've done that. I've let it go until I get home. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, see, see, we'll see how we go. Uh, what about yourself, Dan? As for me, uh, didn't get up to too much on Friday. Caught up with some friends and tried out spicy Korean in Melbourne, which I do recommend if you like your Korean food. Uh, they're not a sponsor, of course, but uh, did have a delicious meal there. And on Saturday, I spent eight hours streaming. Mm. What about online gaming? Oh, uh, I did about an hour of that. So, <laughs> yes, uh, so definitely a big. Uh, session on Twitch, uh, streaming some Fortnite. So there you go. That's my life, working and streaming. Nice. Anyway, let's uh, get into some uh, tech news on our favourite um, discussion topic. Phillips. Oh, Phillips. Rank Arena. No. Panasonic. No. Tiak. <laughs> what, what's the Sonic? Yay. Audi brand. Bone. Bone. Is it TCE? What's that other? TCL. 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 No, it's not. It was Apple. Uh, anyway, let's go into some Apple news. Apple fined $9 million as federal court finds repairs policy breached Australian consumer law. The Federal Court of Australia has fined Apple $9 million after it ruled that a company's repair policies breached the ACL. The ruling comes despite an attempted settlement agreement between Apple and the Australian Competition and Consumers Consumer Commission. Justice uh, Michael Lee ruled that Apple engaged in misleading or deceptive conduct or conduct that was likely to mislead or deceive, ruling it that its refusal to provide free repairs to Apple devices previously serviced by a third party was in contravic- uh, contravention of the ACL. Uh, Apple admitted in court it had represented it to at least 275 Australian customers affected by the error that were no longer eligible for a remedy if their device had been repaired by a third party. Naughty 
Apple. Mm. Naughty, naughty. Here's a funny thing, though. Years ago, and any long-term listeners of the show would know that I did stuff up. I did have a, a I think it was my work phone, so I didn't care too much. But I dropped my work iPhone, and I went to a third party and um, had to get them to repair it, and they stuffed it up. So I then had to take it to Apple and say, yeah, yeah, I gave it to a third party and stuff. Not that it ties in that they denied it. I still had to cough up money. But uh, thankfully, the actual repairer was actually to was so apologetic, he paid my bill mm-hmm. in order to get it repaired. But what do you guys think? Do you think Apple has an obligation to touch the phone if it's already been touched by someone else? Well, I kind of agree with Apple's mm. position here, and this is the point. I've made on the program before. Um, Apple have basically said that if you uh, perform any out-of-warranty repairs, either yourself or through a third party, um, we will not honour any warranty. And I think that's fair enough. If a third party have opened the phone and removed, swapped out, changed components, whatever, Apple don't know what has been done to that phone. And while um, those repairs, so a screen replacement may be unrelated to um, something you're taking it back to Apple for, um, Apple don't know how that third-party repair may have impacted on the current situation. Yeah. Simple as that. And I think, honestly, this is not being an Apple fanboy, I think Apple are in the right here. They should be refusing those repairs unless it is negligence on Apple's part or incompetence, and I don't think it was. Is someone going to agree with me here or disagree? Um, no, no, look, I, I don't know. Um, I'm on the fence about it. How's that? You what? I'm on the fence. I would... Really spiky. Phil's reading the article. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm just looking at it. I, I, I personally think it's bad luck. I agree with you in that sense. Yeah. I think that if your phone's out of warranty, you have the right to fix it however you like. But, you know, that to me is then an issue for the person who's fixing the phone for you, not necessarily Apple. So you can't go and do it and take it back and go bang. If the phone's under warranty and you get a third party to fix it, you're an idiot. Like, why wouldn't you just take it to Apple in the first place? Because it's cheaper. So, well, it is cheaper. I mean, look at the, probably one of the most common repairs done to iPhones or any smartphone. The smash screens. Smash screens. Yeah. Now, there's places in the city I've seen that do it for 100 bucks. You take it to Apple, we're talking a couple of hundred bucks. What is the average person going to do? They're going to take it to this little yeah, Chinese average, place. Average in people are idiots. They are. But all they're seeing is the, the what do you call it? The dollar, the price yeah, the tag, money, yeah. the money. It's cheaper to take it here. I'm going to go there. For me, in warranty or out of warranty, I will probably take it back to Apple because I would rather have their expertise and I would rather have the safeguard of knowing that if they stuff that repair up, mm. I can take it back and they will fix it. And we we know that they at Apple would. You may not have that safety net at other manufacturers, but it's still better than some dodgy bloke in the middle of a shopping centre who's probably going to disappear or claim he never touched your phone. Yeah. Simple as that. And as Phil said, if you go elsewhere, you're a moron. Yeah. 
let us what let us know what you think, dear listener. But so far, I think the consensus is uh, all agreeing to Andy for once. That's the second time in two weeks that Phil has agreed with me. Mm. Something something's going wrong here. I don't like the way Phil's things are in, in the universe at the moment. Did you go to a doctor? Well, I did, but then my details were hacked on my healthcare mm. thingy. No, no, now Slater and Gordon are after you. Yeah, <laughs> as well. Now, guys, we talked about the um, not AirPods. What was the other speaker? The HomePod. HomePods. So we talked about the HomePods and how delayed they were after announcing it, and then then being you know being on sale and all that. And I think we've had a few sort of announcements of products that were announced by Apple that took the time to be available in store. Yes, there's one more product we forgot. That they, Apple have mentioned. What was that? Um, a new Mac Mini or a, no? Um, Do you remember the Air Power Mat? Mm-hmm. Yes, it vaguely. Big Mat. Well, it'll hopefully be coming out by September. <laughs> so Apple's Air Power Charging Mat rumored to ship in September following technical hurdles. So Apple first announced its Air Power Wireless Charger Mat 282 days ago, back in September, with a 2018 release promise. Previous rumors suggest it would launch in March, but an iPad education event and WWDC keynote had both came out and went, came and went without any mention of the AirPower Mat. Bloomberg reports that Apple is now aiming to start selling its AirPower wireless charging mat before or in September. Apple has reportedly hit technical hurdles developing AirPower thanks to its complexity of the circuitry involved and gen- engineers having to ensure the mat doesn't overheat. Apple is creating AirPower so it can charge three devices at the same time, a modern iPhone, Apple Watch, and AirPods. Uh, Bloomberg reports that the engineers have been working on f- fixing firmware-related bugs as Apple is using custom chips and attempting to allow customers to place devices anywhere on the mat. So basically, Apple's over-engineered something mm. and they haven't lived up to their promise. Mm. Yeah, sounds right. So with this Air Mat... Shouldn't they have just released this standard mat? key charger, or yeah. whatever it's called, and then had Key Charger Pro or something, and that's where the fancy one is. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do we think Apple is overselling a lot of its products? Like we had the delay of the HomePod. This is the Air Power Mat. Uh, Apple. I mean, the AirPods were delayed for a few months. That too. too. What is with all these delays? Is Apple stuffing up? Is Apple finished? Is this yeah. the end of Apple? No, <laughs> the no, end of Apple. This is a game changer. No, um, I think um, Apple traditionally have been a very innovative company, mm. and they've been the first to bring new features, products, and so forth in, in some areas. And I just think in the last couple of years, they've been beaten uh, in a number of areas. So we look at uh, the home assistant market. Uh, Apple uh, were pretty much the last of the party in that respect. You had, uh, what do you call it, the... Um, Alexa, Echo. Uh, the Echo. You've got Google Go- Mini. Google Mini and, and so forth. Uh, I know that Apple's offering is a little bit different in that it, it is a speaker with a um, home assistant option. Yep. But we'll still class it as a in that category, the home assistant category. Um, I, I just think that they're just lagging behind in this due to their pursuit of wanting to be perfect, pursuit of excellence. Mm. Uh, we look at this power mat thing. It is a wireless charger, and these these have been on the market for, for years. Uh, I think um, 
certain uh, what do you call them? Uh, well, you can get Android handsets had it. Yeah. Well, the like, the, the 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 Qi technology that's behind has been around for years, and I've seen it now at Officeworks or like JB. You can get one for like thirty bucks now. Now to that point, it only charges one device at a time. I don't know if there's mm. another alternative to like this AirPower Mat. But would they have been better off going? Okay, this is in our product pipeline, not necessarily announcing it. Gone. We will create a standard power mat and charge a cheaper price for it because there are suggestions that this thing's going to be expensive Mm. and then actually go, okay, we've got a new version that's really cool because, yes, they provide a lightning cable with your iPhone 10s and the iPhone 8s, but it's got wireless charging and then Apple haven't got their own branded accessory to go with it. Yeah. So wouldn't they have been better off just doing a standard one and then having an upgrade path for it themselves. And like they've gone too hard too fast. Yeah, I think think that's the case. Trying to do too much. Um but going back to what I said, this wireless charging isn't new technology. Mm. Um how hard is it seriously to design a wireless charging pad? Mm. And it's now what almost a year overdue. Come on, I think. Yeah, but I, I think. Yeah, but I think it's this, the way that the, what they've promised for it, which is if you've got a key charging mat now, you put your phone on it and it charges. You put two phones on it and one phone charges. This is saying you can put your watch, your AirPods, and your phone on it, and all three will charge. So, could you put two phones on it, or I'd do you have to have one I'd of each category? Suggest that you could. Mm-hmm. You just do what I did: go to IKEA and buy their wireless charging bedside table. Yeah. Which I did. It cost me a- hang on. 70 bucks. So with that table, can you have you put more than one device on it? One at a time. Okay. But I've only got one device, mm. which is compatible, which mm. is the iPhone X. Mm. The Apple Watch doesn't work on it. Right. But strangely enough, the um, IKEA table has a little USB port in the drawer. Yeah. So you plug the Apple Watch USB cable into that and charge it in there. Mm. Is yeah, IKEA I, not a sponsor? I haven't jumped onto the... A wireless charging as a yeah, but after seeing those uh, cheaper sort of offers out there, then I may be tempted to get one soon. Geeks interrupted. As classy as that old shoebox under your bed. You're listening to Geeks Interrupted on ninety four point one FM free WBC. Yes, we are that classy. Let's get into some entertainment news, but before we do, let's play a game. Yay! Uh, we're going to play a game, which we play every time and uh, on uh, the show, where uh, we, uh, well, the host plays a TV theme, and you, dear listener, and the guys here in the studio have to guess which TV theme this is. So, guys, are you ready? Can you tell me what this week's TV theme is? Okay. Is it, uh, he is Humphrey? No. Ba-bum. It sounds like a mid-90s show. It is a 2018 show. Really? Yes. It is a spin-off of a geeky show that's had uh, been around for a while. Is it 
It's not um, Young Sheldon. It is. Oh. What was it? Young Sheldon. I nearly said that. <laughs> Sorry. What was it, Andy? Uh, Fat Cat and Friends? No, 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 the other one. Uh, here's Humphrey. Yes. But I was... suppose the show is set in like the 80s, so that probably fits the style. Yes. So there it was. Good on you, Andy. Congratulations, Andy, for getting that Thank right. you. I'm not doing too well with the TV shows this year, no, am I? No. Anyway, let's get into some entertainment news. There's some sad news here. Blues Brothers guitarist Matt Guitar Murphy dead at 88. Matt Guitar Murphy, the iconic Blues Brothers guitarist, previously found fame as a sideman with Howling Wolf, Muddy Waters, James Cotton, and many others has died. He was 88. Murphy is best known to mainstream audiences as a member of the band In the Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers 2000. His character was the soul food chef and weary husband of a waitress played by Aretha Franklin, who reassured his wife that he was the man when Franklin took issue of him rejoining the band in a 1980 film. Uh, she mm. responded by uh, telling him to think about it quite convincingly, I bet, through song. You better think. Mm. So, yes, very sad news. I do remember his starring role in that movie. So, yes. Andy, out of all people here, you are a big Blue Brothers fan. You're fond of uh, this artist's work, nonetheless. You are fond of this artist. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. So... Very, very, um, very, very disappointing news. Um, obviously, he's not the first of the um, Blues Brothers band uh, to pass on. We've already said goodbye to Donald Duck Dunn, mm. uh, Alan Rubin as well, Mr. Fabulous. Um, yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. Um, I think one, what, if you have seen Blues Brothers, and if you haven't seen Blues Brothers, go and watch it right now. Um, he is an excellent, excellent guitarist. But his acting abilities, you just have to watch that scene with Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Miss, Miss Franklin. Mm. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to say Urethra then. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Way to mock my speech impediment. No. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, uh, his acting abilities, not that good, mm. but great guitarist. Sad news. Very sad news. Now, this one is an a interesting news story as well. Uh, Coco, the gorilla who knew sign language, dies at 46. Coco, the gorilla whose remarkable sign language ability and motherly attachment to pet cats helped change the world's views about the intelligence of animals and their capacity for empathy, has died at 46. Coco was taught sign language from an early age as a scientific, as a scientific test subject and eventually learned more than a thousand words of vocabulary similar to that of a human toddler. <coughs> now, if I'm right, I'm pretty sure... Interesting entertainment news. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen... This, these are the videos where... Um, well, keep in mind, Coco it's, met, it's pop culture as well. Yeah, pop culture stuff. True. Because uh, there's videos out there, I think it was popular when it was Coco meeting Robin Williams. Uh, Robin Williams also did... Um, What's that guy's name? The one that everybody loved, Mister Rogers. Yeah, um, it was definitely a very enlightening video, just to show that you know animals do have. I mean, I know simplify this, but animals have feelings, and you can tell the sort of emotions and thinking that animals have. And hmm. who knows yeah. what further we could have? You know, maybe if there was another method of communication. Oh, watch Planet of the, the Apes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but to stand on that, uh, yeah, I think total world domination. Yeah, Phil's checked out. Um, Fake news. <laughs> yeah, 
But to expand on what you said there, um, there is a video um, of uh, Coco, uh, who's had several cats, um, pet cats over the years, and her first cat was a little manx that she named All Ball, A double L B A double L All Ball, because it supposedly looked like a ball. Um, and what's really really sad about it is, a few months after she was given the cat, the cat escaped and was hit by a car oh. and, and died. And the keepers went to uh, Coco and said, you know, uh, Orball has escaped and is dead. And Coco signed bad, sad, obviously understood what had happened there and left it at that. But once the keepers had left and she returned to her cage, actually cried wow. like a human. And the the video is on YouTube. It's actually pretty sad yeah. to watch. Um, but jump on YouTube, watch it, and you can just appreciate that they do feel more, uh, feel, just like a human would, I suppose. Yeah, they do feel more than what we give credit to, considering yeah. you know the Absolutely. language barrier and I guess our uh, differences species wise as well. But yes, sad news nonetheless. Uh, moving on with uh, some more interesting entertainment news. Oprah Winfrey and Apple Inc. multi-year development deal. Apple just struck a deal with one of the most powerful people in the media industry. The tech company has inked a multi-year partnership with Oprah Winfrey through which the TV personality will create programs that will join Apple's original content lineup, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The deal is non-exclusive, which means that Winfrey will be able to retain her role and own the cable channel she founded in 2011, while she will be able to appear on screen in some of the projects she will create. Winfrey's deal with Apple seems to be based around her prowess as a producer. The fruits of the partnership, according to The Hollywood Reporter, will include films, TV shows, apps, and books. Apple, in its attempt to compete with its top dogs in the streaming video industry, seems to be taking a page out of Netflix's book. The SVOD leader had recently announced a number of content deals with notable showrunners, including packs with Ryan Murphy and Shonda Rhimes. So Oprah is definitely a big name, and um, it'll be interesting if these sort of shows would be only Apple, because if she's still going to be joint thing with OWN, maybe she may have some interest to not give Apple the best stuff and maybe still keep it for her own network. I don't know. What do you think? Um... I still don't know what Apple's strategy is. Mm. So I like, I think it's good for Oprah Winfrey. I think it's good for Apple, but Apple, you know, uh, carpool karaoke was Apple, like in, in Apple music and it sort of fits there. Yes. Um, where the, what was the joy of apps? Yeah. Uh, what was that called? Uh, see, it was that bad. We don't even remember the name of the actual show. Battle of the apps, planet yeah. of the apps, planet, planet of, of the, the apps. apps. So the, that was on, was that on Apple Music as well? I mean, yes. I never watched it. Yeah. They need, if they're serious about this, they've got to set up their own system. And, you know, Amazon Prime, Netflix obviously is the big one, Stan in Australia. They've got success because yes, they've got some of their own original content, but they've also got historical content that brings people in and keeps them on the service. Apple's just sort of going, I, I don't know if Apple know what they're doing. Now, that said, They've hired someone who was part of Prime Video, I think. Yeah. We talked about a few weeks ago. They might start getting their strategy right there. But, you know, who knows? I feel like the only way they'll get their strategy right is if they have their own sort of – I mean, they got the they got the Apple TV. They got 
an app store, whether to have an Apple TV. Um, yes, I know they've got an Apple TV app, but like, if you want Netflix, you go into the Netflix app and you're streaming the videos there. Yeah, but they Whereas, need an Apple app. Yes. But the thing is, we're going to get to a point where we've got oversaturation with streaming services. Mm. The It looks like that the Disney um, deal will go through with 20th, 21st Century Fox or tw- Disney's purchase of 21st Century Fox. Um, last week, uh, Disney upped their offer and offered a combination of cash and stock. Um, that will mean that uh, it will probably not Comcast out. But the reason I mention that is that Disney are going to launch a streaming service with those two combined entities' content on it. They will also be offering a sports service through their ESPN brand mm. um, and things like that. We're going to get saturation point. And as you've talked about, Andy, earlier in the show, you've gone, I don't know if I can do three streaming services. Like part of it's a money thing, but also you go, well, okay, how many can I have? So how many can I watch? And there'll be a point where yeah. we get oversaturated. Well, for me, it's it's prim- primarily money. Not that I can't afford it. It's just that I can't justify spending uh, 30 bucks on three services and split my time. Across them. Simple and when you start adding all those servers together, you start looking at, at like, cost-wise, you start going, hang on, Foxtel starts to look like a cheap investment <laughs> in the end. Um, I mean, I know that there's a la carte, but really, you, you need to have some strong streaming players, and, you know, uh, Disney is going to be one, Netflix is obviously another one, and a few others, but really, there's going to be a point where you someone's there, there's going to be a consolidation of the market in the next five years. Uh, if I can quote from uh, the Monday Morning News over at uh, Apple Talk. Mm. Uh, this is uh, written by Benny Ling. Hello, Benny. Uh, Hello, he Benny. says, uh, Apple now has plenty of original programming and nowhere to show it. The Hollywood Reporter claims the most likely course of action is for Apple to acquire an existing media company, whereby an existing streaming service makes a lot of sense if only to integrate it into their own offerings. Uh, the devil will be in the details, and with 2018 quickly passing us by, the clock is ticking for Apple to show their hand. Who do they buy? If they go the acquisition market, you wouldn't think that they'd buy Netflix, but Hulu could be on the market depending on what the current owners do with it because that ownership's going to change. Um, or do they set their own up? But I think that they need to get some historical content as part of their service. So I think the, the acquisition makes more sense at this stage. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, work something out, Apple. You got the money. Just do something. Or, you know, be a dumb platform, as in be sort of that one place where you'd always have all your apps there and you get your 30%. <laughs> and the, Yeah, exactly right. Mm. The other thing is Hulu could actually be a good acquisition point for Apple if they decided to pump up the cash. Hulu loses a lot of money in the United States. Apple have talked about having live TV on their streaming That's services, right. and, and Hulu has live TV. Mm. Um, and they would continue to have content deals with the free-to-air networks. What would be interesting, though, is if Apple were to acquire an existing service, obviously we've spoken about rights issues and so forth. Apple's the sort of company that wants to make all of their content available to all their customers across Mm. the world. And Apple will not tolerate being told, no, 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 you can only show this program in one market and you only show that program in that market 
Apple will want to have it all in or not at all. Yeah, you're right. And that said, when you head into that market, Apple's just going to have to suck it. Or use the influence to say it's going to happen. Because unless they unless they create their entire own content library worldwide and f- filling an entire content library, Netflix have, have spending billions of dollars on content. They're heading that direction, but they still haven't, you know, they still rely on other content. Mm. Um, there's a long way to go before Apple could do that. Mm. And and existing deals are in place. So they could sign up for future deals like Netflix does, but existing deals are in place that segment content. I do like your Hulu suggestion. Didn't think about that because obviously of what stuff we've got available in Australia, but Hulu does sound like a good option because it's a sort of answers those issues in regards to expandability and in regards to, okay, you buy Netflix, but then you got people like Disney and that's pulling out all its sort of services, all its, you know, exclusives from um, Netflix. Netflix, whereas it still has some Disney or, you know, ABC stuff on Hulu. So, yeah, yeah. it could be a good sort of consideration. So that's our tip to you, Apple. Consider buying Hulu. Uh, let's finish off quickly with one last entertainment news item. Melbourne is getting a bronze Molly Meldrum statue, so do yourself a favour and check it out when it's up. And available at Creative Victoria, uh, Victoria's Rockin' the Laneways program is an amazing public <laughs> celebration of Melbourne's rich music heritage. They recently announced a new round of projects that have been funded, among them a mentoring program, history of punk documentary, a 200 page Melbourne music guide, a feminist music and arts festival, which everyone will attend, and a massive bronze statue of our Lord and Saviour, Sir Molly. <laughs> so there you go. Good on you, Molly. Good on you, Molly. There you go. Nothing to add you to that. You know what would be really funny? What? Is if when they're, when they're building this big statue, they, oh, no. they use a ladder. Oh, no. And, no. Let, let's leave and it at that. Falls off. <laughs> yes, let's not end it on that note. Do, well, you, do it, yourself a favour and yeah. don't say that ever again. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that no. joke fell flat. Geeks right. oh. <laughs> oh. interrupted. What more do you want from us? Seriously. Well, less jokes like that, that's for sure. That's probably you don't want. Yeah. Yeah, so good on you, Andy. Anyway, what, do, <laughs> what, what have we learnt this week? Phil? Uh, that Oppo have bringing out a new phone called the Oppo R15 Pro, and they've got a pre-sale available at barleybundle.com, and they're having a go what? at... Having a go at Pete, like Apple for selling a phone for fifteen hundred bucks and some of the Samsung phones. So how much is this phone? That. They're selling it for fifteen hundred and seventy nine dollars, which is the same cost of of an iPhone ten. Yeah, but you get flights to Bali and three nights accommodation at a Bali Bali pool villa, um, free entry to something called Mrs. Sippy, gold dust, gold facial or massage, and a day pass to the to the Karma Beach Club. So yes. Available to 50 purchases. They are not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting uh, promotion to do. Very interesting. But I still Buy a phone, get a trip to Bali. Yeah. But it, it will cost you $1,500 to get it. Yeah. So. But, I see, I don't know how much the phone's worth by itself because mm. then you've got to weigh it up. Because mm. I'm assuming they will sell the phone and it will be cheaper when they sell it by itself. But is it, like... But I guess as a principle, you can go on a trip. Yeah. What was the model? The R15. R15. Yeah. Andy, what have you learnt this week? Um, I really haven't learnt 
anything uh, this week. Uh, actually, I do know what I have learnt because I forgot all about it. I will be presenting Saturday Night Party on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. The cool. Voice of the Inner East. This Saturday they, night. They are a sponsor. They are a sponsor. <laughs> yes. uh, this Saturday night from 9pm. Uh, tune in and I'll be playing some cool music to get you through the night. Yes. At and, least until midnight. And Andy will assure you he will update his playlist. For, I might swap out one song. One yeah. swap song. It'll still technically be new because it's the one playlist and there's something else there. Mm. Uh, what have I learned this week? Sorry, I should have asked that. That's all right. I'll ask myself. <laughs> I learned ING have teamed up with If This Then That or IFTS. IFT. So you can uh, connect your ING direct account with your IFTS account. And any time an action happens with with uh, which triggers your IFT account, it will take money from one account and transfer it to your savings maximizer account. So let's say you turn on the lights, it will transfer $1 into your savings maximizer. Or if the temperature falls down to X degrees, it will transfer $1 or whatever amount from one account to your savings maximizer. So mm, there cool. you go. Interesting. Uh, interesting formula to uh, integrate your bank with. Might set that up. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Every time uh, Geeks Interrupted tweets, they'll transfer a dollar. So I'll have 50 bucks at the end of the year. Bargain. Sounds like a deal. I don't know if it's a good idea, but anyway. No, probably not. Uh, anyway, that's enough from imagine, us. Imagine Andy sets it up that... You press the my smart light switches, yeah. And every time I turn my light on, he hacks me and yeah. transfers like twenty bucks from my bank and, account. And that's it, all out of money. Dumb idea. Yeah. Anyway, you're listening to Geeks Interrupted on ninety four point one FM Free WC. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, please leave us a five star review, and we'll catch you all again next week. Say bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. bye. Mrs. Will ya? Made me tea, made love to me, put on the telly, to the BBC, to the BBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, BBC Four, BBC Five, BBC Six, BBC Seven, BBC Heaven. You've been listening to another episode of Geeks Interrupted. You can find us and send us questions and feedback via our contact page at our website at geeksinterrupted.fm, follow us on Twitter at Geeks On Air, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeksinterrupted. If you listen to us live on 94.1 FM, free WBC, stay back to listen to the evening program from 10pm and music overnight from 12am. Don't forget to tune in from 7am to start your day with Peter Van Wessem and The Bride of Breakfast. If you listen to us via our podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you leave us a review on our Apple Podcast page. This helps us get noticed in the Apple Podcast Store. Also, please tell your friends to check us out. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all again next week. This is William. Let me take my love to me. Put on the telly.
Hi, it's Neil Butler from Radio Gaga. Have you checked out the all-new 3WBC website yet? You can view upcoming shows, presenter profiles, news from the station and so much more. Check it out now at www.3wbc.org.au.